Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us about what Adam and Eve knew after falling for Satan's sinful, suspicious statements about God. This message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org. Now, here's some highlights from this week's messages. So what he was saying is that uh, as he raised his shield, by faith, I believe this, what Moses wrote. By faith, I believe. I believe that thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And that, that was the end of that fiery dart. That went out just like that. But we know this, as far as the shield of faith goes, we believe that the judge of all the earth, when it's all said and done, is going to do right. Now here's Tom Cantor as we finish our Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday Genesis teaching series this week. Now, tactic number five, verse five, your eyes shall be opened. Oh, this is an awakening of a desire to be independent from God. Now, why is it, Eve, that you have to find out what's good and evil from God? Why can't you just get the file yourself and be able to look it up yourself? Why do you need to always go to him as the librarian to go tell you what's good and bad? Why can't you just be independent of God, Eve? Why do I have to pray to God? Why do I have to keep reading this Bible? Why do I have to go to church this morning? My life could be so much freer if I could be loose from myself from all these things. I mean, there's a world out there, and, and, and I, got, I, I got places to go, and I got people to go see, and, and frankly, God, church, and the Bible, they're not part of it. They're holding me back. I want to be independent. That's the fiery dart of a desire to be independent from God. Now, how do we quench that with the shield of faith? Because we come and we say, first of all, as we've already studied in Genesis 2-7, the Lord God formed man of the dust of the earth and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. And we say, I like life, right? Don't you like life? We all like life. Who doesn't like life? And there's a source for life, and that source is God, the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that all life comes, as the book says, from him. What do I want to be independent from him from? You know what that means? Death. In Deuteronomy 30.20, it was spoken this way, the same thing, when Moses spoke to the Jewish people, and he said that thou mayest love the Lord thy God, thou mayest obey his voice, and then he used these words, thou mayest cleave unto him. Cling, cling, cleave. Just like Adam cleaves to his wife. We're supposed to at least. Cleave unto him, for he is thy life. God is your life and the length of your days. I think that's pretty good to be dependent on a person who is your life. In Deuteronomy 4.4, he says this when they were at the end of their 40 years of wandering. And Moses stands up and he says, I want you all to look at yourself right now. He says, You that did cleave unto the Lord your God are alive, every one of you, this day. That's what he said. You know, that's the same thing we're going to be able to say to everybody in heaven. We stand up in heaven, we're going to look around, and we're going to say, every single one of you cleaved unto the Lord Lord Jesus Christ, and you're alive today. As opposed, who said, no, I don't want him, and they're not there. That's what makes the distinction there. Cleaving, dependent upon the Lord God. Man shall not live, as we already quoted this verse in Deuteronomy 8.3, by bread alone, 
but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. That's words of dependence on God. And by shield of faith is when we take it up and we say, I'm there, count me in, I believe that. And that dart goes away. Look at, if you would, the very famous Psalm 23. 23rd Psalm. And as you look at Psalm 23, ask yourself the question as you look at these things, what do I need God for? Of what am I dependent on God for? First of all, Psalm 23, verse 1 through 3. The Lord is my shepherd. I need God to own me. My shepherd. I need to be the sheep of the Lord. I need his brand on me. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down. I need God to give me rest. That's what it says <clears throat> in green pastures. He leadeth me. I need God to guide me by leading me. Beside the still waters, he restoreth my soul. I need God to fix me or repair me because I get broken. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness. I need God to keep me clean for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of death, and I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. I need companionship. I need God's presence with me. And thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. I need comfort. And therefore I'm dependent on God. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemy. Thou anointest my head with oil. Anointing a head with oil is for the purpose of life. I need God to give me purpose in life. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I need eternal life. I depend upon God. I need God for all these things. And by saying, I believe that, then that fiery dart about wanting to be independent from God is quenched. It's put out. Burn it. The fire doesn't start. doesn't go any further than that. Just like when the, when the Indian shot those arrows over with the fire on it, first, first order of business, go get the bucket of water and put the fire out. That's what it means. That's how we do it. By saying, by getting behind the verse, which will extinguish that, and we do extinguish it when we say, I believe that, by faith I believe that, and therefore it's gone. Now, the goal that Satan had in deception in Genesis 3 is the same goal, it's a universal goal, and I'm just, rather than take time to turn to it, I'm going to give you these scriptures. And God is speaking to his Jewish people in Jeremiah 56, said, my people hath been lost sheep. And then you remember when he came, he said, I'm not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel, the Lord Jesus Christ said that. He said, my people have been lost sheep. Their shepherds have caused them to go astray. And they have forgotten their resting place. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the resting place. But the shepherds caused them to go astray. Caused them to go astray. Okay? In Ezekiel 14, 14, 11 God speaking about the Jewish people made it even more clear when he said that the house of Israel may go no more astray from me. It says astray from me. So the goal of all satanic deception is to lead people away from the Lord Jesus Christ. Very simple. And the goal of all true teachers of God is to lead people to the Lord Jesus Christ. Deception, Satan, lead them away. God's, God's teachers, true faithful preachers, lead them to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, 
So this is what happened. This was the fall. The fall was that Eve and Adam were led away from the Lord Jesus Christ. And they had some consequences to deal with. There was an immediate consequence. As soon as they took the fruit and ate, something immediately happened in verse 7. And it says, the eyes of them both were opened. Just like Satan said would happen. What, what does it mean? What did they see when they were open? Well, it says they saw themselves. More specifically, they saw their own nakedness. All they could see now was themselves. They were just consumed by themselves. Before, all they could see was God, and they were consumed with God. But now themselves have gotten in the way of God, and they're distracted away from God. Immediately, they started a new magazine called Self. That became very popular, you know. Before that, the magazine was called God, and that was more popular. But now Self, is that's what they, all they see. And now they have a big problem. Big, big problem when they see themselves because they see themselves and they're ashamed. And they say, well, what do you see when you see yourself? I see something needs to be covered up. I see you got to get some covering here. So they also made a couch and they, one took turns, each one, they would be charged to a very expensive therapist. <laughs> they said to each other, you're not so bad. You need a little self-esteem and then you'll be all right, you know, and besides your environments, there's a problem here. All right, so they had, a, but they had this new beginning This new self-realization, this new monster of self has now emerged and been woken, so to speak, and now needs to be covered up. So when you look at verse 7 in Genesis 3, grab two words. They knew. Those two words are very, very important. They knew. In verse 5, the serpent had promised a new opening of the eyes, a new knowledge. Sure enough, they knew. What did they know? They now knew they had sinned. And they knew about what their sin was. They never knew that before. What else they knew? They now knew the effects of their personal sin on their own selves. And number three, they now knew that their bodies had become this awful source, this like stink pot of evil thoughts. Like it says in Matthew 15, 19, for out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, a stink pot, evil thoughts, a septic tank, and you pull the lid off and all that horrible smells come. And in our neighborhood, we all have septic tanks and we know when everybody, each person pumps their septic tank. It's lasting. And God says, now your heart has become a septic tank. And out of it proceed, you take the lid off, evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, and blasphemies, Matthew 15, 19. They never knew that before. That's new. And now they got a new, and now they can agree with Paul. Paul says, I got a new name for yourself now. Romans 7, 24. Oh, wretched, miserable, desolate, pitiful, oh, wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me? I need deliverance is such a bad problem from this body of death, the body of this death. So they knew this. this all. They now knew that inside of them, they have a brand new loss. And they feel the loss of it all. And they have a sense of a great loss. They lost purity. Oh, it was nice, but it's gone now. They lost innocence. Oh, I wish I could get that back. It's gone. It's gone, and they felt the loss of it. The purity and the innocence is gone. And they knew inside of them something they never knew before. There's a new emptiness. 
It's like a hollowness here. Never knew that before. Because now, for the first time, they feel the emptiness of being separated from God. I feel empty. You know, like the first night of, after a divorce. It's like, oh, the emptiness of it all. Where's the bottle? Let me drink my way out of it. It's in other words, it's they, they knew this new separation and this left howling emptiness in their heart. And they felt this great big giant hole in their heart. They never knew that before. And Isaiah 59 two says, your iniquities have separated between you and your God. Your sins have hid his face from you. He will not hear. They were now separated from God, the source of their life. Sin had torn them away from God. And the, the see, God was the source of their deep happiness and their purpose and their fulfillment. And now they were suffering in their separation from God. See, when it says in verse 8 that they heard God in the cool of the day, that's like a play on words, the cool of the day. It was pretty cool in their souls about that time without God. It's like a double meaning. And there was a certain eerie stillness in their souls, like at the dusk of the day when the darkness is starting to come in, rushing in on them, because their inner light has gone out. They never knew that before. They were now separated. They were now isolated from God. And their bodies were, were, were now oriented and pointed to a, kind of a perverse enjoyment of that sin. So then they have this battle, this warfare going on, this great conflict, this rage in their soul because their souls are crying out inside of them, where's God, where's God? I want God, I need God, I must have God. And so we have this that's going on inside of them, this crying out, and then on the other hand, there's this other part in their body that said, silence while I enjoy these thoughts of evil. And this is going on inside of them. They never knew this conflict before, this was new. And this was their new selves. And what was their response to their new selves? Look at the verbs. Just look at the verbs alone in verse 7. Opened, eyes. Opened, new, sowed, made themselves. As soon as, they, as, soon as their, their eyes were open and they knew, there's like a flurry of activity going on here. They're sowing. They're grabbing leaves. They're sowing. They're making aprons before. Quick, quick, put all this together quickly. As soon as their eyes were open, they knew they were sinful. They knew they had to be covered. They knew they needed to be covered. And they were now sinful. They were ashamed of their sin. And they go about to do all these things. And now they become so resourceful. So resourceful. Resourcefulness is kicked in. They don't need God. Fix the problem. It's okay, God. We messed it up. We broke it. We'll fix it. And so we see them just going to work. Sewing, sewing, sewing. It's interesting how it describes that sewing. They made themselves aprons. They provided for their own needs. I don't need God. I'll just correct the errors myself. They made themselves. That's what man does. That's what man does when he's confronted with, his, with all that we just talked about, his need to be forgiven by God. And he, and he immediately goes into action, and, and, he, and he starts doing all these good works and trying to save himself. And whereas Moses said in Exodus 14, 13, he said, stand still. And just see the salvation of God. You're in great need, but God will bring you salvation. Isaiah 30, verse 15, and returning and rest shall be, you'll be saved. And in repentance and rest, you'll be saved. That way, quietness and confidence, your strength, and ye would not. Tragic words, Isaiah 13, 30, 15. Proverbs 22, 20, verse 22, wait on the Lord, he will save you. Abraham said, 
my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. The inadequacy of their sown feelings. Look at the sequence of verse 7. What's the first thing that happened? Their eyes were open. What's the second thing that happened? They knew they were naked. What's the third thing that happened? They made themselves apron, right? Then what happened in verse 8? They heard the voice of God, right? And so before Adam heard God's voice, was he clothed in his aprons? It's not a true question. Yes, he was. Verse 7 happens before verse 8, because 7 comes before 8. So 7 says that he made himself apron, and then 8 says he heard the, the voice of God, right? And then it says in verse 10, what does Adam say? It happened to him when he heard God's voice. He was afraid, right? And then what does he say he was afraid? Why was he afraid? Because he was naked. Well, how come he was naked? He was wearing the aprons. Why does he say he's naked? He's already wearing the apron. Verse 7 comes before verse 10. So he, what, why does he say he's afraid? Because he's wearing the aprons. He wasn't naked, right? He was wearing his newly made apron. Why? Didn't work. Didn't work. He knew he was still naked. He said, those fig leaves covered Adam's nakedness about as good as the trees hid him from God. <laughs> they just didn't work. They didn't work. They were useless. Useless. Because that's what is represented by man's works, religious works before God. They're useless. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done. According to his mercy, he saved us. Titus 3, 5. God speaking to the Jewish people on righteousness. Isaiah 57, 12. God speaking about the righteousness of his Jewish people. He says, I will declare thy righteousness and thy works. They shall not profit thee. God said, I've got a comment for your righteousness and your works. Useless. And the Jewish people then looking at their own righteousness in Isaiah 64, 6, said, all our righteousness, filthy rags. Useless. Useless. And if any man acts like Adam and goes about to make these fig leaf aprons and tries to do his own works to, works to cover himself and to get into heaven, when he stands before God, he's going to say, just like Adam did in verse 10, I'm naked. I'm naked. Even though he might be clothed with all kinds of good works, he might say, like they said in Matthew chapter um, 7, Right? He might say, oh, look, you know, I did all these things. I cast out devils in your names, and I prophesied in your name and did many wonderful works. And, and then, but when it all gets said and done, he's going to confess like Adam, I'm naked. I'm naked. And so what's our hope? And where are we going to close? In Revelation 3, 17 through 18. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. And knowest not that thou art wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and Naked. He says that. I counsel thee, thank God there's a verse 18, to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich, white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eyes of they mayest see. The gold, that's the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. God says, get it from me. Don't go making your own. White raiment, that's the purity and the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. God said, get it from me. Buy it from me. Don't go making your own. The eye saw is the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ. We talked about he'll guide you into all truth. He said, get it from me. I'll enlighten you as to what the word of God means. Don't go doing it yourself. This is not a DIY way to get into heaven. It's not a do-it-yourself. This is a, a GDI, 
God did it. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for showing us in these verses so clearly, Lord, about what happened. Lord, it's, it, it's very discouraging to us when we see our first parents, but it's very encouraging to us when we see you. And so, Lord, help us to, to cling to you and be alive. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Tom, today you spoke about how after the fall, Adam and Eve knew that they were naked. But they had always been physically naked. There's got to be more to that statement than just the physical. So what did it really mean when it said, and they knew that they were naked? Right. And that's a very good question. Because Adam and Eve, after the fall, they knew they were naked. What does nakedness mean? It means that when you're naked, you feel you're missing. You're missing clothes physically. But it was so much more than just the physical with them. You know, it speaks about in Ezekiel 14, 11, it says this, that the house of Israel may go no more astray from me, neither be polluted anymore with all their transgressions, that they may be my people and I may be their God, saith the Lord God. So you could say, as it was for Adam and Eve, so it was for the house of Israel, the Jewish people, so it it is for every person who is born a sinner. What are they naked from? They're naked from God. The house of Israel may be no no more astray from me. Adam and Eve knew they were naked from God. Neither be polluted. They were naked from purity because of pollution, They that they may be my people. They were naked from being the people of God, that I may be their God. They were naked from God. Paul said in Romans 7, 24, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from, this, from the body of this death? What was Paul sensing his nakedness of? happiness. He was naked from happiness. And he said, that's a wretched condition. Oh, wretched man that I am. And he knew that he needed deliverance. And until he called on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, he was naked from deliverance, from the deliverance of God who came to deliver him from the body of of death, of the death. What they knew themselves to be naked from, they knew that they had a loss, a very essential, deep, at their core loss. They had lost purity. And how wonderful it is that the Lord Jesus Christ comes to restore that. They had lost innocence. And how wonderful that the Lord Jesus Christ comes and gives us the righteousness of himself. They had lost a fullness inside, a completion inside. Nobody can be full without God. Nobody can be complete without God. And when Adam and Eve, who knew the fullness within, they knew the Spirit of God that had been breathed into them after they were created in Genesis 1, when it says the Lord God formed them out of the dust of the earth, and then it says, and the Spirit of God breathed into them the breath of life. They knew that life within. They knew the Holy Spirit within them. And after they had sinned, death was thou there. 
So they were naked from life, and death had replaced it. They were naked from God, and now there was just the howling emptiness inside. And all of that was what is encompassed when it says, and they knew they were naked. They knew they were void. They knew they were empty. They knew they were separated from God. Worst of all, they were naked from God. That's why Paul said, put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ as clothing. That's why God said that the name for Israel will go about and they'll be called by the name, the Lord our righteousness, the Lord our righteousness, Adonai Tzidkenu, which means that they would be clothed with the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank God, all of this emptiness and what they were naked from, the Lord Jesus Christ came and replaced it all with his precious blood. Thank you for joining us today. Now, would you like to order the most popular Tom Cantor book? It's called Frequently Asked Questions by Jewish People. And Tom Cantor has written this book to not only help the Jewish people, but to help you know more about the Lord Jesus Christ from the Old Testament. This book will help you to be able to know your Bible doctrine better, as well as be able to contend for your faith and help to reach lost Jewish people. With nearly 60 pages of questions and notes that help answer and show the character, doctrine, and deity of the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to want a copy of this book. So call us today at 1-800-247-3051. That's 1-800-247-3051. 247-3051. A few of the questions that this book answers is, do the Jewish scriptures show the triunity of a Godhead? It also answers, how can the Jewish Messiah be identified? And what is the difference between a Gentile and a Christian? And what is a Jew? Is it possible to be Jewish and Christian? Or where was God during the Nazi disaster? These questions and 30 more are answered in this wonderful book by Tom Cantor. So call us today at 1-800-247-3051. That's 1-800-247-3051. Thanks for listening and join us tomorrow.